Welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. It is me, your host, Dr. Yewandi. We just celebrated Mother's Day here in Canada, and I really wanted to send this episode to anyone who is a mother or is a nurturer, whether you're a biological mom, a spiritual mom, whether you are an aunt or godmom who has taken on a role of mothering the little people in your life. This episode is such an important one, and the tips that I share are just as important and as relevant today as they were a year ago. I share some of the lowest points that I experienced personally as a mother, and I share the tips that I offer my patients in my practice because I know that they're going to be very helpful for you as well. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. Hello. Welcome to another discussion on mental health and mental wellness. I'm Dr. Yuandi. If this is the first time we're connecting, and today I'm specifically going to be talking about mental health and mental wellness tips for mothers. And so if you're a mother or you have a mother in your life or if you are a nurturer in any capacity, the tips that I'm going to be sharing today are going to be very helpful for you. So definitely save this live and also share it with anybody that you know who would benefit from it. And for me, I'm just going to share a little bit of my the backstory for me, I'm a mom of two. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I've had two moments in my journey as a mother that have been very, very challenging when it comes to my mental health. They're probably the lowest points when it comes to just being, you know, as far as my, my mental health has gone. The first was in the winter of 2018, I believe. Yeah, the winter of 20, no, the winter of 2016. And that was my first trimester with my daughter. So this was the first time, the, the winter before she was born. And it was an awful time. I think before that, I knew about mental health academically from, from learning about it during my training, but I'd never actually experienced it. And I'm not sure that I even experienced any, knew anyone directly who experienced it, or maybe it just never clicked for me until I went through it myself. And so during that time, some of the symptoms that I experienced, you know, a lot of people talk about pregnancy and they talk about feeling nausea first you know first trimester is a lot is very difficult for people when it comes to morning sickness some people complain of feeling fatigue i honestly didn't have a lot of physical symptoms if i'm being honest i didn't really apart from headaches and then i had vertigo from time to time 
but I really didn't have a lot of physical symptoms. For me, my symptoms were emotional and they were mental. And so I had just this, it felt like I was walking around with a dark cloud all the time. I felt low. I felt like I didn't want to do anything. It took everything out of me to actually get out of bed and go to work and then come back. And all I wanted to do was just lay in a dark room and just sleep the entire time. I think it was very confusing for my husband because it seemed like I was a completely different person with no other than the pregnancy, no real explanation. And he tried his best to help me, but I didn't even know how to help myself. <laughs> Despite all my training and all of the things that I'd learned about depression and anxiety, I honestly didn't know how to help myself. It sounds really weird now. I didn't even, I don't think I even spoke to my doctor during that time, my, my family doctor. I don't think I thought to speak to my family doctor because I just, I, I think I just couldn't identify what was happening with me. Thankfully, I came out of that when second trimester rolled around and then into third trimester, and thankfully I was fine. Um, but it was just a very interesting, weird time for me because up until then, I had never really experienced any mental or emotional wellness challenges. Now, fast forward a couple of years to so the second time when I really felt like my mental health was challenged was 20, no, 2019, yeah, 2019 into 2020. And that was when I, after I had my son, um, I took off time for maternity leave, I started a business, and then the pandemic hit. I had two kids under three, and or two kids three and under, and I couldn't go back to work. I couldn't go back to work because my son was too young to go to daycare. I was also quite nervous about the sending them to daycare and so my son being just an infant at that time, I decided to stay at home and I wasn't working. I was a stay at home mom and I just want to use this opportunity to tip my hat off to stay at home moms who do this full time. If you are a stay at home mom and you do it full time, honestly, I am in awe of you and this is again my own personal experience i'm not trying to say that one one version is easier than the other but i having done both working and being able to break up my day and say that when i'm working i'm working when i'm at home i'm at home taking care of my kids to me that just it works for me but when i had to stay at home with my kids for 18 months engage trying to engage them trying to teach them trying to correct them trying to nourish them and it just it was a lot for me and you know i had bouts of you know i would have crying spells i remember there was a time when i was speaking to my cousins and i was just so anxious about everything weirdest things i would be anxious about and then but the wake-up call for me even with all of that i didn't realize what was happening until I had a wake-up call and interestingly enough my wake-up call was one day i had i decided to tackle my hair i had ignored my hair for such a long time and then decided you know what today i'm going to tackle my hair and so my hair is natural at that point i had managed to grow it down to my mid back and so when i tackled the hair it had broken off completely it was a mess it was a mess if you're part of my community you probably heard the story before but it was my wake up call. It was telling, it, my body was literally telling me that 
enough is enough. Enough is enough that you have pushed me to the limit. You have ignored me long enough. You're not taking care of you're not taking care of yourself. It's time to start taking care of myself. And so that was my big wake up call. It was sort of a physical expression of what had been going on with me emotionally, right? And so I cut my hair off actually exactly this time last year. I remember because Mother's Day last year, I decided that I wanted to spend it alone. I left my kids with my husband. I booked a hotel and I spent two nights by myself, just really reflecting and thinking about what I wanted the next years of my life to look like, how I was going to prioritize my health, how I was going to prioritize my physical health, my emotional health, and just reprioritize everything that had been going on for me. And so those were the two main periods in my life where I had, as a mother, especially where I had struggled with mental health and mental wellness. And the things that I'm going to be sharing today are things that I wish I knew then. Things that I wish that I knew then, things that I incorporate now, and things that I share with my patients and my clients that have been so, so helpful and so beneficial when it comes to their mental health. And so I'm just going to go back looking into the comments. Cassandra says, I can identify with you. I felt like being stuck in the mud or quicksand for me. It felt like being stuck in the mud or quicksand for me. Yeah, it can, feeling stuck is something that really, really resonates for sure. Because it's you're trying to get out of the, the, the mood or you're trying to get out of the feelings and you can't really figure out how. And then Cassandra says, being a stay-at-home mom ain't for the week. It's tough. It's like there are no breaks. Absolutely. So hats off to you, girl. Honestly, yeah, hats off to you. So as I said, this is not to replace any professional advice, right? If you need help, please see a professional. But I'm hoping that the tips that I share today will help you either mitigate the impact of declining mental health and wellness, or while you're waiting to see a professional, you can start incorporating some of these things. And in fact, these are things that all of us should be incorporating. Now, the first thing is to acknowledge that mental health is real. Mental health and mental health challenges are real. Like I said before, I knew academically what it was to have a mental health challenge. And to be honest, I thought that I had sort of categorized things as clinical depression, clinical anxiety, OCD, you know, psychosis. Those were the major mental health challenges that I had been educated on during medical school. But these other things, when it comes to feeling stressed, burnt out, overwhelmed, you're not feeling like yourself, these are things that happen to everybody. These are things that happen to anybody, regardless of your, your faith, right? Many of us who are people of faith believe that, oh, that if we, our faith is strong, we shouldn't have any mental health challenges, and that is just not true. It can happen to anybody, regardless of your faith, regardless of your education level, regardless of your, your financial level, Regardless of your social economic status, mental health challenges can literally happen to anyone and at any time. So I think acknowledging that is really the first step because if we continue to remain in denial, we will never ever get the help that we need. 
And I think even just that awareness will help you identify maybe you have friends you haven't heard from in a while um, instead of thinking oh this person has changed or this person doesn't you know whatever it might be spark this might spark that thought that cold up maybe they're also going through a mental health challenge or maybe it's for yourself maybe you're finding that you're feeling more irritable than usual you're crying now with no real reason you just don't feel like yourself realize that you might be going through a mental health challenge so that's the first thing that i want to i want to say is that it's important for you to realize that mental health challenges are a real thing they're not just a myth the second thing is to identify be able to identify and communicate how you're feeling i find that this is something because we're not really taught how to communicate it can be very difficult for us to share with others how it is that we're feeling whether it's communicating with ourselves first and foremost or communicating with our family members or people around us or even communicating with healthcare professionals it's really important for us to get really good at identifying our feelings, identifying how we are, how we're doing emotionally, because that really is the first step to getting help and not only any kind of help, the right kind of help. There's a difference between waking up in the morning and saying, I just feel off. I feel off. Or I don't feel like myself. And maybe your spouse is asking you, you know, what's wrong? You're, you're, you're getting angry. You're yelling at the kids or you're yelling at me. What's wrong with you? And like, I don't know. I just feel off. Right. That's not really helpful versus being able to identify that, you know what, this morning I feel tired. Um, I probably didn't sleep well last night. I feel tired or I feel stressed. I feel stressed, I have this big meeting coming up or I have this patient that's coming into my clinic today. Um, I feel stressed about the conversation that I'm going to have. Or I feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed because my week, I have this meeting, I have this appointment, I have all these things going on, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Believe it or not, there's a difference between feeling tired, feeling stressed, feeling overwhelmed. And the better we are at being able to really hone in on how we're feeling, the better we will be able to, first of all, help ourselves. So for example, if you identify that I woke up this morning, I feel off, but it's not just feeling off, I actually feel tired, right? You can say, you know what, tonight I need to make sure I get to bed at a reasonable hour. I can't do what I've been doing the past five days, staying up to 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. I must make sure I'm in bed by 10.30. So that is way more helpful by, than just saying, I feel off. When you identify that you feel tired, you can actually take practical steps to help yourself. Or say you wake up and you're like, you know what, today I feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. And your spouse is asking you, you seem irritable today, is everything okay? And you identify, oh, I feel overwhelmed. That is far more helpful than just saying, oh, I feel off. I don't know what's wrong. I feel off. Because when you communicate that you feel overwhelmed, depending on who it is that you're talking to or the circumstance, you can then articulate how you want them to help or if there's someone who is emotionally intelligent, they might then offer to take some things off your plate. That is so much more helpful than just saying, oh, I don't know what's wrong, I feel off. 
So being able to identify how you're feeling is so important. Being able to communicate how you're feeling, not only to yourself, but also to those around you. One thing I hear often, especially from women who are strong women, women who are high achieving women, is, oh, I don't want to come across as being a complainer. That's something I hear. Oh, I don't want to come across as I'm complaining. Or I don't want the kids to know. That's another thing. I don't want the kids to know how stressed I am. But the truth of the matter is addressing the second complaint, the second concern, your kids already know you you're stressed. I mean, come on. <laughs> you're yelling at them all the time. You're frowning. You're snapping. They already know that you are stressed. So it's best just to say, hey, you know what? Mommy is feeling a little tired right now. Because what that does, especially if you've trained your kids, is that they will probably play more quietly. They will stop calling you a hundred times a minute right because they know that mommy is not in the mood and it also helps them engage with you in a way that doesn't continue to cause you to spiral obviously this is age dependent if you have toddlers just know they are going to be calling you whether you tell them you're tired or not but the truth is that again the more you communicate to people the more that they are able to help make your life easier it's not complaining it's not it's not going to affect the kids in fact it's going to help them because they too will learn how to communicate their feelings based on your modeling the other concern is that oh it's complaining well there is a spectrum right if every day you're like oh i'm so tired oh i'm so tired everything is so hard okay yes maybe we've crossed the line a little bit but there is a way to communicate your feelings without it necessarily being complaining, um, especially if you're doing it in such a way that is productive. You know, I'm feeling tired today. Um, I really want to get to bed at 1030. Do you mind making sure that, you know, everything is done for this? Maybe you're talking to your spouse. I really want to get to bed by 1030. Do you mind helping me with this, that and the other so I can get to bed at a reasonable hour? That to me does not sound like complaining. It actually sounds like there's something very productive. All right. So going on to point number three, to recap the two strategies or two tips that I've shared so far to help mothers with their mental wellness are number one, first of all, acknowledging that mental wellness is real. It's a real thing. And number two, being able to identify and communicate your feelings. Number three is being able to ask for help, accept help when it is offered, and then pay for help, hire help. A lot of times as high achieving women or women who are sort of type A and you know like to get things done, we feel like it is a sign of weakness if we're asking for help or accepting help. We tend to make up these weird stories in our minds about oh, what will people think if I accept help what will people think if I ask for help? And the truth is, it's, it's, you need to change your thinking about that. It's a sign of a strong leader to be able to delegate tasks to other people. I mean, <laughs> this, forgive me for this weird example, but you would never catch Jeff Bezos delivering an Amazon package to your front door. He's a leader of an organization and he has learned to delegate tasks to other people. 
right? It doesn't make him weak that he has other people helping him to get the job done for Amazon, right? You need to think about your household and whatever, your household as an organization, and you are the leader of that organization, right? So delegating tasks to your kids, whether it's tidying up, whether it's putting dishes in the dishwasher, whether it's cleaning up after themselves, whether it's setting out their clothes in the, in the night before they go to school the next day, these are tasks that you need to be able to let go of and, and delegate to other people, right? I had a patient who said that, well, if I, if I delegate all these things and I'm gonna be useless, hello? <laughs> that is so not true. You, you bring so much more value to your home as a mother than just doing these little tasks that can easily be delegated to other people. Paying for help is another thing that I wish I knew much earlier on in my journey as a mother. Paying for someone to help me clean the house, right? Even if it's not on a consistent basis, but just from time to time, especially in those times when you are busy and you feel overwhelmed. Depending on your budget, obviously think about what your finances will allow, but paying for help, paying for help is something that can really take a load off off you because you're not thinking about that specific tasks. You've delegated it to someone else. I'm a firm believer in training your kids and training your spouse to be helpful in the home because think of it as a team. Everyone has to play their part. Everything can't be on you all the time. And that goes on into my second point, which is or my next point, which is the fourth point, which is as high achieving women, I know that we have really high standards, right? We like things done a specific way. We like things done very particularly. But when it comes to motherhood, guys, I really want to encourage you to let go of those standards, whether it's standards that you have placed on yourself or standards that you have placed of the other members of your household. You really need to get okay with things being done good enough, right? And just be appreciative when the help does happen. We have the tendency to, when we get to the point where we release some of these responsibilities to other people and they're helping, we start to nitpick at what they're doing. Oh, this was put in the wrong place, or this wasn't put exactly the way I wanted it to put, or next time do it this way, next time do it that way. I mean, even for you, when someone comes at you like that, I mean, are you going to be willing to help them again in the future? I don't think so because it's like, okay, well, I tried, right? And remember that most times we have really, really high standards of ourselves and of other people. So you need to be able to lower those standards. One of the things that I see a lot from mothers, especially, and this is why mommy blogs are awesome, but I have a particular problem when the blogs aren't realistic because what happens is that they set up this unrealistic standard of what motherhood is supposed to look like. And then I have people, mothers coming to my office crying because their homes don't look the way that other people, they're struggling because they wanna get the laundry done and they want to put every, all the toys away and they want everything neatly organized and they want their kids hitting all the milestones at a particular, and it's just too much. It's too much. I like to remind people, especially if you're comparing yourself to social media, that you're comparing the raw footage of your life to someone else's highlight reel. 
right? Think of a movie. What you see on the on the trailer is very different from what you see in the movie, and very different from the raw footage. In fact, I've gone to movies before where I'm so excited when I see the trailer, and when I actually watch the movie, I'm like, okay. Is that it? <laughs> right? So I want to remind you that you are living in the raw footage. You are living your life on a day-to-day -day ups and downs, moment by moment, whereas what you see on the blogs and on social media is just the highlights. It's just the highlights. So that's one thing to keep in mind is that don't set your expectations so unrealistically high that you're beating yourself down for not meeting those expectations and you are making life miserable for the people around you because they're not able to meet with those expectations. You need to get comfortable with good enough when it comes to the tidiness of your home and the meals and all of that. You need to get comfortable with good enough and let go of this perfectionism that can really plague us as mothers. So before I go into my final point, I just want to recap. Today I'm sharing tips for mothers when it comes to your mental health and mental wellness. The first four tips that I shared was one, acknowledging that mental health challenges are a real thing and we can all go through mental health challenges regardless of our backgrounds. The other thing I talked about is learning how to communicate your feelings in a way that is productive so that the people around you can help you in a way that actually makes sense. The third is being okay to being okay with asking for help, accepting help and paying for help, right? Don't carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. If people can help you, let them help you. In fact, I believe that it is strong characteristic of an awesome leader. And you're, if you're a leader in your household, you need to learn to delegate work. You need to learn to ask for help. The fourth point that I made is lowering your expectations of yourself and of others, right? Because at the end of the day, good enough is where you need to get things that you don't want to kill yourself over doing things ending up neglecting your health, you know, affecting your relationships because you set your standards ridiculously high. And you can still give feedback, right? I had a patient tell me once that, oh, my sons are helping, but when they put the dishes away, they put the bowls first and then they put the plates on top of the bowls and it just makes things really hard. I'm like, okay, no problem. All you have to do is communicate. First of all, thank them. Thank them for helping and then say, hey, buddy, next time, you know, when you put the plates on top of the bowls, what ends up happening is that they can fall and break. Um, it just make, it makes things really hard for us. So next time, put the plates under the bowls, right? If, if it's something that really means a lot to you, <laughs> then appreciate them, give them feedback, and then appreciate them again. And they're more likely to receive the feedback. My, my fifth and final point today is, yes, this is some of my favorite things to talk about. One of my favorite things to talk about, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, I love that phrase so much because it makes me think, think of habits and routines. And I kid you not, having habits and routines in your life is going to save you so much stress and it's really going to help you maintain your mental wellness. I was speaking to a patient last week 
and we had talked about how stressed she was. So, so, so stressed, so overwhelmed and actually quite depressed. And one simple thing that we tweaked was she said that she had a good time. Like she, one day she decided that she was going to do the grocery list with everybody and that it actually worked really well. And so we said, you know what, why don't we make this something consistent? And so she said, okay, that what she's going to do is that, so actually what I had asked her is what is some of the most stressful part of your day? And she says it's dinner time because she never knows what to make. Everyone's always fighting about what she makes and all of that. And it becomes so stressful. And so we said, okay, well, when the grocery shopping thing happened a couple of weeks ago, it went really well. Why don't we incorporate that into a routine? And so now what she does is that every Thursday she sits down with her family and she asks her two sons, what do you want for, what's one thing you want for dinner? She asks the other one, what do you want for dinner? She asks her husband, what do you want for dinner? So everyone gets to pick one meal per night. And then she asks one of the sons, okay, go through our, what we have at home. Do we have this? Do we have that? Do we have this in order to make the meals? And then she goes and she does the groceries. And when I got the feedback from her, she said her mind was blown because she said she couldn't believe how that one thing, that one routine made her week so much better. She was happy, she wasn't stressed, nobody was fighting, nobody was arguing. And it just made, reinforced what I strongly believe, which is that when you have routines, when you have little things in your life where you can do on an auto automatic basis, it can really relieve some of the stress in your life. For me, I have a morning routine and I have an evening routine. Um, my work day really differs, but the morning and the evenings are generally the same. And so I start my morning usually around quarter to, quarter to six, and I start off with prayer and meditation, and then by seven o'clock, the kids are awake, and then we go into get, get brushing their teeth, um, giving them a bath, getting them dressed, getting their breakfast, getting their bags, and then out the door. <laughs> and that's sort of our, our system. And during that time, as they're eating, I'm offloading the dishwasher, I'm putting the dishes away, making the sink, making sure the sink is cleared, and making sure the, the place is tidy. And then after they leave, I get ready for my day. In the evenings, they come back from school, they put their bags away. If my daughter has homework, we do the homework or we practice her spelling. We put on some music and we're singing, we're dancing, they're, they're playing with their toys or coloring as I'm making dinner. And while they're eating, usually I'm asking them how's their day going, but while they're eating, I'm also tidying up. Usually then they'll go upstairs, their dad will start getting them ready for bed while I finish downstairs. So I try to have a rhythm at night such that everything is cleared, everything is put away, and then I go upstairs and then, you know, join my husband in getting them ready for, for bed. And then, you know, we do our reading, praying, talking about our days, and then that's it for, for them for the night. And then I do whatever it is that I have to do, whether it's for work or my business. And so having rhythms like that, the, the other rhythm that I've recently incorporated is I want my kids to have more vitamin D. And so I've been giving them vitamin D, but I have also fallen behind on my vitamins. And so as I'm giving them their vitamin D, I'm also taking my vitamins. And so that has now become a rhythm for us 
or as I'm filling up their water bottle for school, I'm also filling up my own water bottle for, for the day. And that has also become a rhythm. It doesn't have to be anything so elaborate. And honestly, it's something that you're going to build up over time. But the less you have to think about stuff, when am I going to do, do the dishes? Will I have time to do the dishes today? I don't have to think about it because I know that as the kids are eating, I'm loading the dishwasher and it's taken care of. And so having rhythms like that can really, really help take off a mental load off your head because honestly, most times when we're stressed, it's because we have too much background noise. We're thinking about too many things at the same time and it's causing our brains <laughs> to overload like an overworked computer. So I would strongly encourage you to incor incorporate unforced rhythms, unforced rhythms of grace into your life. And speaking of the word grace, especially if you have young kids, please give yourself some grace. Please give yourself some grace. If you have to leave the dishes in the sink overnight, please leave the dishes in the sink overnight. You have young kids that you're taking care of. Don't put yourself, going back to point four, don't put yourself under unrealistic expectations because that is really going to affect your mental health. That is really going to affect your mental health. So yes, as much as you can, you want to incorporate these habits, but also relax a little bit and let things go a little bit. You know, you'll have plenty of time to have a neat home and have all of that, whatever you want. But especially if you're dealing with young kids, please just let things go a little bit and give yourself and your household members some grace. There is a question in the chat box that says, how did you get over mom guilt and take two nights of away from your family? My husband has encouraged me to do so, but it's hard for me to get past the mom guilt. Oh, that is such a good question. I will say, like I said, it took me 18 months to get there. And when I finally got there, it was because I, I had reached literally almost rock bottom. I think I realized that I, at, at that point, I realized that I was falling apart. <laughs> I was literally falling apart and I would be no use to my family if I wasn't well. If I fell sick or if I had a breakdown, I would be no use to my family. And so I realized that I could not pour of myself. I couldn't continue pouring of myself out of an empty cup. I didn't see it so much as being selfish as, oh, I'm taking time away from, and I think I might need to know what it is that's driving your guilt. Guilt is an emotion, right? And so in this situation, you're having the emotion of guilt, you're the feeling of guilt when you think about going away. Part of what I do when I work with people is actually start to identify the reason why they're feeling guilty. Why are you feeling guilty? Are you feeling like, oh, um, my, my, my kids aren't going to be okay, that they're going to miss me so much and they're going to be crying all weekend? Are you feeling like, oh, it's going to be too much for my husband to handle? Um, therefore, I don't want to go away. I'm feeling guilty about how stressful it's going to be for him. Or are you thinking about, well, what will people think? 
what will people think when I decide to go away to a hotel by myself, right? What are the thoughts behind that? And when you know what the thoughts are behind that, you can start to challenge them and say, okay, is it really true that my kids are going to be crying all the time? Or is it really true that my husband is completely incompetent and won't be able to handle it? Or is it really true that people are going to judge me for taking time away? Yeah. And so honestly, at the end of the day, that is what will help determine how to get over the mom guilt. Because if it's the idea that, oh, my husband isn't going to be able to handle the kids, it's going to be too much for him. Maybe you can start putting strategies in place to make it as easy as possible. Maybe it's just as simple as making sure that all their clothes are laid out for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Or making sure that he has a list of meals that he can give. And so all of those things. So it really honestly depends on what it is that's driving your guilt. But overlying all of that is just understanding that if you're not well, if you don't do what you need to do to take care of yourself, whether it's taking time to exercise, right? Or taking time to be alone from time to time, whatever it might be, if you're not well, you're really not going to be giving your family the best. You're going to be giving them leftovers. You're going to giving, be giving them scraps, right? And so really being intentional about that is so, so important. So as I wrap up, I really just wanna say thank you so much for everyone who joined me today. Thank you for participating. I shared five tips that I wish I knew at the beginning of my motherhood journey. And these are tips that have also been very, very helpful for not only myself, but the patients that I work with, the clients that I work with in helping them manage their mental health and improve their mental health, particularly as it pertains to motherhood. Thank you all so much for, for joining in. And hopefully you share this and save this and Watch it over and over again as much as needed. And I will catch you all next week. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuandi, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.